This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Just letting you know that our next guest for our Science with Simi segment got a real kick out of our science (laughs) opener there. We're going to talk to her in just a moment. We're here at BC Children's Hospital. And listen, we are, we're here to, uh, you know, boost the BC Children's Hospital dream lottery. But guess what? It's all sold out. Done. All the tickets are gone. I know. It was very busy. They set a record-setting pace this year. Uh, I barely had a chance to get my ticket before they all sold out. So not only is the early bird done, all of the tickets are gone. Thank you so much for your support of the lottery. Uh, It does great work. It goes to all sorts of amazing different areas of the hospital, like the one we are about to talk about now with our guest. Uh, You know, healthcare's evolved a lot in the past few decades. There's all sorts of new scientific discoveries. Uh, My next guest is Dr. Tamara Vanderwall. She's a child and adolescent psychiatrist and neuroimaging researcher here at the hospital. I want to find out what this is all about. Dr. Vanderwall, thanks for being here. Thank you, Simi. You liked our science opener. I loved the science opener. Fantastic. Because we want to promote more science understanding is what we're and trying to do. And you need a here. jingle to do that. Of course so you need a jingle to do that. So what is it? Can you explain to us exactly what it is that you do? Sure. So one day a week I see patients. Um, and the other four days a week I run a neuroimaging lab, which means that we're basically using an MRI scanner uh, to scan kids' brains while they're doing different things, like either doing a task. What I like to do best is use a movie. And what I'm trying to do is study the patterns of their brain function while they're watching these movies. And do you try to see if there's a similarity in the brain function? Like, is the same area lighting up? Are Mm -hmm. they all watching the same movie? Exactly. Ah. And so sometimes we're looking, uh, like, with kids with a certain type of symptom, and we'll compare those to kids who don't have that symptom. So, for example, we're just about to start um, a study in OCD. Uh, so kids with obsessive compulsive disorder and we're trying to understand like what is actually wrong in the brain that is causing the kids to have these symptoms and so the theory is that you'd be able to see that yes with lots and lots of data analysis (laughs) it's not like it just pops open on the scanner and we're like whoa there it is Uh, it's a very very intricate complex you know computationally expensive process to go through but yes I think that we can start to get there and to actually have answers in child psychiatry which we just up to this point really don't have yeah and this seems like two very different things like child psychiatry and neuroimaging how did they come together well they they come together in the brain (laughs) right so I think you know the way that we are trained to learn about child psychiatry and the way that I see a patient, right, Mm -hmm. is mostly I'm just asking questions and talking and trying to figure out what's going on. The piece that we don't have in medicine yet is what is causing this? What is wrong in the brain? If something's wrong with, say, a kid's heart, we can, you know, do a lot of different tests to figure this out. But because the brain is so complex, we just haven't gotten there yet as a field. So for me, they go hand in hand just because that's, you know, that's where it lives. That's where it has its being. Is there something that is more easily readable in a child's brain versus an adult's brain? No, I think unfortunately everything is more difficult in a child's brain. How come? So one of the things is that every kid that you see is at a different stage of development. Right. So you can't just put them all in a group together. Right? So that just makes it more complex to start with. But the biggest problem for the kind of brain scans that I do 
is actually movement. So if a kid moves, which is supernatural, right? Oh, kids move. I could see this, yes. And so if they move inside the scanner, these tiny little movements even just mess up the data like, like you wouldn't believe. And so that's been a major, major barricade. I was just thinking about this as you were saying it. So you tell me that you put the movie on when they're in the scanner? Yes. Oh, yeah. How do you make this work? How do you do that? So there's lots of different ways to do it. There's like these high-fangled goggles that kids can wear while they're in the scanner. So they have no metal in them because you can't have metal in the scanner. Yeah. Right? Or typically what we do is we have actually a monitor at the back of of the bore. So the bore is this big, long cylinder that makes up the scanner. Um, and they can just watch it via a mirror system. So it's actually pretty, that part's pretty simple. What part's the really hard part? The hard part is getting from the brain scan to a meaningful piece of data, right? Because there's so much going on in the brain and we're collecting all of this complex signal and we're looking for like, what's the important thing here? And how do we, how do we find that and how do we see that? So you're embarking on research to see if you can label OCD in the mm-hmm. brain. Has this been used before, and are there other things you have been able to identify? So some things have been used before, and yes, we've been able to learn a ton about the brain, about brain development, about child psychiatric disorders, but it's never gotten to the point where it could be used by a doctor for one specific patient, right? Mm. I can say a lot of stuff about what we know about the brains of groups of people with OCD, But what we haven't been able to do yet is have an individual patient come in and be able to do a brain scan and say, oh, this is helpful information. I can either pick a treatment based on this or I can give a diagnosis based on this, right? So it's going from this like group level where we have learned lots of good stuff down to how do I do this for a single kid in their family? Is this something that is being used in a lot of areas right now? So brain scanning in general is being used a lot. Yeah. This weird thing that I do using movies um, is really catching on right now. So there's a couple different, you know, groups using it. It makes it makes perfect sense. So I mean, my dentist uses this to keep us not uh, like you know focused in there and not paying attention to no, what I they're know. doing. And every single minivan in the yeah. world has a DVD player in it, right? Because <laughs> right. you have to be able to show kids something to help them stay still. So we use it for that, which helps a ton. But we're also using it because movies are so powerful, right? I, I can really study the brain while it's working, right? So it's a little bit, my analogy that I always use is like if, if you've ever heard of a cardiac stress test, yeah. you go in and you don't just sit there while they look at your heart. You walk on a treadmill and then you run. And so the movie is a little bit like the treadmill for your brain. Like I'm trying to drive the important connections so that I can study them. And I know that you in particular see beauty in those images as well, because you've actually done work that takes those images and kind of use it as art too, don't you? Yes. And I think I'm very into that interplay. One, because it's fun and I like doing it and I like things that look pretty, but (laughs) I really, really think that if you show something that's convincing and realistic and beautiful in the scanner, the brain reacts to that in a much more natural way as opposed to something that's ugly and clunky clunky and that like I made last night in 10 minutes on like YouTube or something right right so if I show you something that's really good actually I get better signal and my science is better so I think the art actually makes for better science so you're saying that even when you're showing the images to people you want them to look pretty so they can appreciate the beauty of their brain as opposed to just showing them something very clinical 
Yeah, and I want them to like be really engaged and enter into whatever I'm trying, you know, whatever the movie is, whatever I'm trying to evoke or not evoke. It has to be good and convincing. I think for for a long time in science, we've spent lots of money on the fancy MRI machines, on the computers, but we typically haven't been able to spend a lot of money on making the stimuli good. So they've typically been really ugly and pretty boring. And after you look at them for about two seconds, you're like, your brain is bored of it. So then what are we studying? Yeah. Right. So this is sort of like this new next generation of stimuli that we're using. And it's super fun. And it's great to do it here in Vancouver because this is Hollywood of the North. So we have great team people we can team up with. Yeah. Do you have good access to all of that? Like if you, you're kind of thinking outside the box here. So is this a good place to be doing that? It's an amazing place to be doing that, right? Just like so many different resources and creative people with skills and expertise. And, and it's so fun to integrate it. And people care about BC Children's. They care about the research that's happening here. They do. So we get like amazing buy-in and like, so you have this like creative energy that's going into this thing. And it's just, it's an incredible privilege to be a part of it. Well, some of your work actually shown at MoMA in New York City. (laughs) Yes. Not MoMA proper, but right next door to MoMA, they have this little thing called MoMA Studios. Yeah. Where they put on more sort of interactive types of exhibits. And so, yeah, I was lucky enough to be a part of one of those. Yeah, it was one it's of kind the, of a big deal. Oh, it was so cool. Yeah. I loved it. It was amazing. But you're a neuroimager child psychiatrist who also had their art shown, you know, at yeah. MoMA. Yeah. Did you ever think that would happen? No. I mean, I wanted it to happen, but yeah. I never thought that it actually would. Whatever. I grew up in Vernon, you know, like you don't think, you know. Please dream big no matter where you live. This up, is where you absolutely live, where you grow true. Up, right? Absolutely. You true. touched on something really interesting about Children's Hospital. You're right. I think that people, when they hear it's for children's, they are much more willing to go kind of beyond and maybe even outside their comfort zone to help out. Yeah, I think this place serves an amazing function in the province, right? Like I remember growing up and having friends who came here for very serious medical care. And everybody knows children's and it's just such a comfort to know that top-notch care is here and that, that, you know, the hospital is here. It's here for all of the kids in the province, you know, and the research and the funding from things like the lottery helps us always be one step ahead and trying to be the people giving the top-notch care. Um, So, yeah, no, it's an amazing place to work. How do you decide what video or what movie the kids are going to watch so that you can generate a reaction out of them? It's an excellent question. So in, usually it depends like what we're trying to go after, what question, what scientific question we have. Um, so one of my favorite things that we do in our lab is to actually make a movie right, for a specific purpose and then test it and see if we got it right. right? So then we can look at the brain stuff and see... Did, did they get, laugh here? Did they you know, get yeah. sad here? Did they... Right. And did we get the brain stuff right? So that's, you know, that's a really, really fun interplay. Groups are using all sorts of movies. I mean, people, you can just use a Pixar movie. You could use pretty much... Well, it depends on which one. Do you want to use Coco? That's going to make kids cry. I know. See, these are very serious questions. You also don't want them to laugh really hard because that gives you head motion. So, you know, there's all sorts of questions. Oh, you're right. That's a yeah. very tough question. How long is this next OCD project going to take? Oh, gosh. A long time. Um, I would say... To do like the, to do the first phase and to start getting our first group of kids in, you know, and all of this depends on funding. Um, so I would say we're it's like a five year cycle probably. 
I'm fascinated. I thought this was great. Dr. Vanderwall, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Simi. Good luck with your work. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Tamara Vanderwall. You wonder where your money goes when you buy lottery tickets? That is where your money is going when you buy a lottery ticket.